Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Sit back, relax, and listen. Friday's gonna have you glistening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now live. Welcome to Shea butter and popcorn with Taj and Chels, episode eight, Crunch and Munch. Shea Butter and Popcorn is the all-inclusive podcast giving you the exclusive. This podcast focuses on reviewing our favorite films. My name is Chelsea, a.k.a. Chels, singer, actor, and all-around movie lover. This episode is entitled Crunch and Munch. This sweet and salty peanut snack has all the right toffee-flavored goodness to brighten my day. Crunch and Munch, the sweet treat that's sure to please. Taji, let them know who you are and what we're talking about today. Hello, everyone. My name is Tajiana, a.k.a. Taji. I am an all-around movie lover as well, coming with two degrees in acting and film. I love Black narratives, Black stories, Black everything. And I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about movies based on books today. Yeah, movies based on books. We reading, we reading, we Mm. We Mm. start. We young, gifted, and Black. Movies based on books. Seriously, it just has a cozy feeling to me because reading already transports you to another world and then you add in the transformative nature of cinema. It's the perfect Mm. match. Oh my God, it's amazing. I love it. It's also interesting to see how something matches up or in some cases does not link up with what you imagine in your head on screen. I think that that is the toughest hurdle for movie makers um, to be able to jump over to serve audiences and readers alike. You know, but when it's right, it's right, it's iconic, it's amazing. So let's get into our films for this week. First up, Pride and Prejudice, 2005, the movie directed by Joe Wright. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, Pride and Prejudice is a classic read. My <laughs> sister and I were obsessed with Jane Austen growing up. I actually bought her a few years ago for Christmas, the complete works of Jane Austen, which she still finds time to reread. She loves Jane Austen. I do too, but she's like obsessed. Um, <laughs> story, you have the Bennett sisters, uh, five single sisters who, in their own way, find love while their mother tries to trap men into being with them. The mom is hilarious. Seriously, a mess. Um, this film stars Keira Knightley as Elizabeth Bennett, the heroine of the story who falls in love with who she least expects, named Mr. Darcy. Um, please check out this film or the book. Read the book. You won't be disappointed. I personally... Also enjoyed 2008's The Duchess, also starring Keira Knightley, which is on Netflix's stream now. It's another great period piece. Um, a young Carrie Mulligan is also one of the sisters in this movie. It's a really uh, fine movie. Um, obviously, the text is a little bit heightened, um, elevated. Um, I wouldn't say straight up Shakespearean, but I mean, if you watch it, and I'm not seriously too vocal about period pieces all the time. I'm not just like, oh my God, period pieces. My yeah. favorite thing. Like, that's not me. But this is this is a really, it's a good movie. Yeah. I think you'd, you all would really enjoy that. Pride and Prejudice, it's a beautiful uh, story told of how opposites attract and she like hates this man and she like loves him and he actually tells her that he loves her first and he's like, I love you most ardently. Oh. <laughs> it's like, whatever he says, he's like, I love you most ardently. And she's just like, oh, Mr. Darcy, take me away. And she's crazy. Yeah, crazy in love. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. my goodness. Right? Dun, 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 
seriously That's literally her crazy in love amazing okay actually all right second movie persepolis 2007 this film directed and written by marjan satrapi is a wonderful coming-of-age story it's based on the french language graphic novel i love this movie so much um i remember i saw it uh, a little bit after it came out and the setting is in iran during the during and after the islamic revolution i found really great parts about this movie um it's a foreign language film but it had so many relatable bits to it um this movie has comedic, dramatic, and heightened elements throughout it. There's a scene where she as a teenager is trying to find herself, and she's hounded by other women in the street with different genres of music. And she actually, um, they're offering her like Michael Jackson and Prince and all this stuff, or Whitney, and um, she settles on Iron Maiden, of all things, because that's what she's into, metal and hard rock. And she says that she loses herself in, the, uh, in this music, and... Uh, who she's supposed to be as a woman from Iran um, and the concert she goes to and the boys she meets and how she finds herself. She retells the story of a love who ends up cheating on her actually. And she replays her doomed love story in her head again and again. And everything is different. And she picks out how ugly he actually was towards her, but he's traditionally hot. So it's like how people can turn ugly once they have an ugly personality. Um, it's really cool. Um, Another relatable scene I found really poignant in this movie is when she's prescribed antidepressants from her therapist and she's sitting in a chair smiling. And as the months pass, there's a montage of her smile drooping and she ultimately feels nothing. And it mirrors to me, uh, two years later, the 2009 uh, movie Twilight's New Moon, the scene when Edward leaves Bella and she's sitting in that chair looking out the window as the months pass by bleakly. And she's like depressed. And I was like, oh, hey, that's kind of like the same thing there. Now, this movie is not in English. It's, uh, you have to read it. It's in English subtitles. Um, my parents were actually really into making sure my sister and I grew up open-minded individuals. So they had us watch foreign films from a young age. And I'm going to tell you, Taj, I didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't like normal. <laughs> but... I mean, yeah. we're just so, Americans were just so... Just, I know. Like, you fight it. I mean, now, I later, I appreciate the fact that I was encouraging you to read films. Yeah. Because it made me open-minded. But as a kid, no, you don't want to read when you watch movies. Like, I want to read a book. I don't want to read when I watch a film. But right. I'm so glad that they made me watch it anyway and films like that because I love that uh, love that movie. And the book is incredible. The graphic novel, you get it at Barnes & Noble or um, online, you know, Kindle, Amazon Kindle, any of those. Yeah, amazing film. So definitely enjoy that. My last movie, I'm going to talk about one of the greatest travel movies of all time, 2010's Eat, Pray, Love, directed by the iconic mastermind, Ryan Murphy. Seriously? <laughs> You've got Glee. You got The Assassination of Gianna Versace. You got American Horror Story. You got The People versus O.J. Simpson. Like, Ryan Murphy. That's just to name a few. Man does everything. name a few, honestly. Seriously? Ryan Murphy is an icon. Oh, my gosh. Love him. Eat, Pray, Love is amazing. This film is based off the memoir written by Liz Gilbert. Um, it's a powerful finding yourself story. But the twist um, is that she's finding herself much later in life. Um, mm -hmm. She's a divorcee. She travels 
to three different places. She travels to Italy, then to India, and then Indonesia. And she's from New York, where she learns how to eat, pray, and love, respectively. It's literally, to me, the quintessential travel film. Yeah, <laughs> has, it's so cute. Right? It's so cute. It's so good. You got comedy. You got romance. Um, she just went through a painful divorce. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, the protagonist in the film. And she finds joie de vivre and Shangri-La, as it were, uh, you know, the Nirvana. Shangri-La is also a recording studio in Malibu, Rick Rubin. Anyway, <laughs> the musician in me, Shangri-La. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, this film stars Julia Roberts, Viola Davis, Javier Bardem, and James Franco. Seriously. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when she's in Italy and she's looking at the ancient ruins and she retells the story of an old Italian joke. A man is praying to a saint statue to win the lottery. And he's like, please, 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 let me win the lottery. Please, please, please. And the saint statue comes alive and says, please, 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 sir, buy a ticket. And that kind of like is one of the threads in the film. It's like, hey, you want to travel? First thing you got to do is go get a passport. You know what I mean? So it's just like set the steps, set the standard up for you to have that that breakthrough, that blessing that you want. Um, this film has great little antidotes like that. Um, when she's eating pasta and she's learning Italian and she wants to find a word that describes where she is in life. And she finds out in the beginning that she's just a woman in search of a word. And sometimes it's like, that to me was so powerful because it's like uh, when you're a young adolescent, you're in college or post-grad, like maybe you are a woman in search of a word right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, or maybe you're finding uh, different words that suit you, you know, to describe you. And by being in search of words, she learns new ones. Like dolce di niente, which means the sweetness of doing nothing, you know, or attraversiamo, which is the word she eventually settles on, which means let's cross over. And she does when she falls in love with Javier Bardem. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> love. Anyway, it's great. This film resonates with a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Seriously, check that out. I believe it's on Netflix to stream right now. You will not be disappointed. Also, read the book. You will enjoy it an incredible memoir oh my gosh amazing so those are my films for this week taji let them know what yours are the hate you give number one out of the three that i'm about to talk about anyways all right here, here taji goes depressing everybody <laughs> i'm sorry angie thomas did what she had to do when do she you know how many times i read and put that book down and waited really? I was crying okay. and cried and, and waited two days and then read it again. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've never actually read the book. I'm really disappointed in myself. Oh um, my God. She has the book. So um, it's on my to read list. Yes. Um, so I finally have some way to access it. I just haven't read it yet, but we rented out the theater um, for um, our black student association. We rented out the theater across the street from, our college to go yes yes for <laughs> the culture we went yes. out the theater to go see the hate you give um it is more than a tearjerker i feel like um people were not i mean it got good reception for i feel like the activist community and for people who wanted to see a manless stenberg in another film i don't think that it was um just like a movie that everybody went to go see it was a very specific um a very specific movie um directed by george tillman jr the god um but yeah it starred um it also 
um, had, yeah, it starred Common as well as Amanda Stenberg. If you guys don't know who that is, um, you guys probably started watching her when she was Rue in The Hunger Games. Um, Regina Hall, um, Common, the rapper, like I said, um, and also Anthony Mackie. Um, love Anthony Mackie. Oh, Anthony Mackie is so, like, oh my gosh, he's a Juilliard graduate. He's so gifted and like, the oh, he cast. went to Juilliard? Yeah, oh, he did. Yeah. No, yeah, he went to oh, Juilliard. Yeah. And, like, I know that people may know him um, from, like, as Falcon and, and Marvel. But, like, he's, like, Great. such an actor, actor. Like, seriously, <sighs> Night Catches Us with Kerry Washington and Anthony Mackie. Watch that film. It's about the Black Panthers. Wait, and- hold on. I <laughs> what, what did you say we should watch? Uh, Night Catches Us. I think it's so good. good. Kerry Washington and Anthony Mackie. I yeah. forgot what year. Yeah, that. Anthony Mackie was just in that weird episode from um, Black Mirror. If you guys. Oh yeah, I saw. Oh yeah, Black Mirror. I love it. <laughs> People, I feel like he's gaining some traction from that because there's a very specific type of community that watches Black Mirror. I mean, I feel like everybody watches it, but also like people with the like who like unique type of like tastes on screen. I yeah. Like sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sci-fi. But um my king Algie Smith who um is uh who just got uh featured in um some he's a part of Euphoria. Um you also have Issa Rae, the queen in there, Sabrina Carpenter who plays the racist friend, everybody wanted to fight her. Um, <laughs> Lamar Johnson. Um there's just so many cool people in this film. Mm-hmm. Um also uh the white boyfriend um KJ Appa, did I say yes. that? Mm-hmm. Appa. Yeah. yeah, KJ Appa, everybody's favorite um from um Archie from River- Riverdale. Oh, um, it was okay. very yeah. interesting seeing him um crossover from Riverdale to this um type of project. It was a very interesting casting choice. People I think were too, kind of comfortable with it, but what made the I think the movie and the book so different, I think, is the fact that she had a white boyfriend. And like considering the storyline, like where she lived and like this, it made it like, oh, you know what I mean? So she was already like part of this different narrative, I think. And then right. turning that, that was different. It was a cool take. Yeah. Though. See, and yeah. that's thank you for adding that because, you know, that's the thing about, you know, adaptations is, you know, some things don't transfer over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was a choice. Um, Russell Hornsby. Um, yeah. So I very much enjoyed um, them bringing her story to life. I think, you know, whoever went to go see it, when they, they saw it. Um, so it just, um, if you're not familiar with the story, Star Carter, um, she lives in a Black neighborhood, but she um, she attends a predominantly white prep school, private school, Williamson Prep. Um, and so I'm not going to give away the main part, but it does explore um, just like, the corruptness of the criminal justice system and the just exploring, you know, the reality that um, the black community has to deal with in terms of like relations with um, police officers and just like this constant, like push and pull that we've had for eternity. So, um, and it explores, you know, also, you know, the, the, the complexities of, you know, people, in your life who you have to evaluate if they're for you um, and all of you with everything that you are. Um, and just like also, you know, people who try to be allies, but maybe they're not doing it the right way. And you like, 
you know, you have to try to do that. But I think I just really appreciated the 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 main character star, the the activist in her coming out because of um, events around her. I think it was just so powerful. I think I definitely cried in that one of those ending scenes. Um, but Amanda is just a, a boss overall. She always, you know, should do it for the culture. So um, it was a very good story. I would watch it if you, I mean, if you feel led. I mean, obviously that's with any movie, but I mean, I would watch it just to support Angie Thomas, like support a black woman writer, like her story getting on screen. Like, you know, not everybody is about (laughs) that reading life, unfortunately. So I feel like, you know, if people wanted to support this story um, via film, there you have it. Um, So, yeah, I feel like it's very heavy, heavy hitters in the cast, um, but they did. I think they did a good job telling the story. And obviously there's some, you know, things that didn't maybe transfer a hundred percent over in the adapt the film adaptation from the book, but I think they got the job done and they told the story and it was very real. Um, especially just like the different nuances in the plot, especially, um, adding on the, you know, what happens when you have a black police officer and, um, just a, it just started a conversation around a lot of different things. So I would definitely go watch it, especially if you're in that field or if you just want to look at things from from an outside lens and look at everything. Um, it it makes you it makes your wheels turn for sure. So I would go watch that um, next film, <laughs> the classic, The Color Purple. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. This is Chelsea's favorite. Chelsea's favorite. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Based on the book by Alice Walker. Yes. This yes. drama was directed by Steven Spielberg. We love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it won. It actually, well, the book won a Pulitzer Prize in yeah. 82. Um, and very well deserved because I feel like before we got to The Hate You Gives, there was The Color Purple. And just telling the story of just sexism and racism and just domestic violence, like it, it explored so much and it's such a heavy film. Um, I know I wasn't allowed to watch this film um, until I was a certain age. And I feel like that was every black household was like, you couldn't watch the color purple roots, like very heavy films until you got a certain age, unless your parents just didn't care. But, um, (laughs) you know, these films sugarcoated less. Um, They really went in. And so I, man, it's so heavy. Don't want to give the plot away too much. Um, But it definitely explores just that, you know, just being separated from your family. What do you do when you're in a toxic relationship? Um. What do you do when you are trying to appeal to massa like there's just so much stuff in here and like the cast they did what they had to do they did not come to play at all Um, danny glover whoopi goldberg Uh oprah winfrey margaret avon i'm not gonna go on because Uh can i be problematic for a second though just because I really, whenever anyone brings up the color purple or like I watch it, it's it's on Hulu, by the way. I just, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu as well. Yeah. I just, 
I just want to be problematic for a second and say, I don't understand why Whoopi Goldberg did not win Best Actress for her role. Because every time like, you watch it again or like you read the book or like you just see Whoopi in her career that spanned that has spanned decades. Like, it, I just feel like, I feel like she was robbed. That's all I got to say. You know, I, they, I, don't get it. I mean, the industry itself, as we talk about on this podcast, mm-hmm. is very prejudiced and very one way. So, you know, if you yeah. look at the people who are judging and putting in votes is predominantly white men. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, and especially because this film came out in 85 when we were, you know, a little bit farther back in terms of like progressiveness. Um right. It got it got all these nominations, so mm-hmm. it got nominated for eleven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Didn't right. win any of those, like we said, but it also received four Golden Globe nominations. And just looking at that ratio is like they should have won something because it was just you know oh nominated, 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 which is nice to be nominated. That is a big accomplishment in itself. But right. you you know when something should win. But the movie overall, and Steven Spielberg didn't receive an Academy Award nomination for his directing, which is unfortunate um, because everybody knows Steven Spielberg is a G. But like, I mean, you never know how people are thinking now. Nah, we're not going to give you a white man, <laughs> an, uh, I don't know, a nomination for directing a movie that tells the, the trials of being black and being a black woman and being like, I don't know what they're thinking, like. But he did receive a Director's Guild of America Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement and a Golden Globe nomination. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff, but like like Chelsea is saying, it's very unfortunate that the film overall did not win. Mm-hmm. Considering um, the, the type of movies, and this is not shade, I mean, I think the type of movies, I know that's the 80s, so maybe that, I don't know. I know that the type of movies that win now for Best Actress, like Emma Stone for La La Land, or Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook. And I'm not saying those are bad movies. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook, I did actually enjoy. Um, La La Land, of course, is more of like, it's it's not for everybody. It's more of like an a, acquired taste. It was like kind of a musical, but like yeah. not, I don't know. It was a little different. Mm-hmm. Now we're more progressive or open-minded. I think that it's a shame that that did not transfer over even back then mm-hmm. because I thought she mm-hmm. was incredible. I, I still can't believe she didn't. I'm, mm, yeah, I'm still in terms of that. like her not winning an Academy Award. Yeah, for yeah. Best Actress. Because yeah. I feel like that's a timeless performance. You can put it on today and still be moved. Like it's 1985, like it just came out. Yeah. And for a movie and, to live that long and, tran- and, 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 and transcend time and, 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 and yeah. entice people for that long, over decades, it just, Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like personally, that's Whoopi's best project, hands down. Oh, I yeah. Like, I feel like she has a lot of range, but what, oof, like, uh-huh. like, oof, <laughs> like she, you know, I. She was, she, because the thing that was so powerful is, and it may seem like really like uh, kind of like contradictory, but it's not. She was a beaten woman, but she wasn't broken. That there's a difference. She's playing a woman that exactly. was yeah. The resilience, the resilience, and the triumph. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad that that was in there because yeah. oof, my gosh, I was crying at the end. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between playing wounded and playing a wounded warrior. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like when we did for color girls, we were playing wounded warriors, but we weren't playing wounded women mm-hmm. because otherwise that story wouldn't go anywhere. 
Right. It would have, wouldn't have got back up. We would have just mm-hmm. been in the trenches. So, the yeah. Kind of girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow was enough. Yes. <laughs> Period. Um, last film is Shawshank Redemption. Um, I absolutely love this. I feel like this is the movie that if you're in film school, you already know, like it's just shoved down your throat, but, um, it is, uh, a drama. Um, it was based on, and I didn't even know this cause I was looking up ideas and I was like, wait, what? Um, so it's based on Stephen King's novella, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption that he wrote in 82. And then they produced the film in 94. It explores the relationship between, um, two guys in penitentiary and their journey. Um, and it, it, it was so well received. Um, it has astounding performances from the two leads, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Um, they, they bodied this, like the story is very unique. Um, it was very well received, very well received. And, um, I, so much appreciated it. I very much appreciated this story between, you know, this banker and this prisoner who, you know, smuggles contraband. Um, and if you watch it, you will just see the dynamic between them two. Um, I'm really trying not to spoil the plot for you guys, but it is a very, very, I feel like it's, it's definitely top tier. I feel like in cinema, I feel like if people name classics, um, I feel like Shawshank Redemption would be up there. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely watch it. So the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards in 95, um, and which is the most for a Stephen King film adaptation. Um, best picture, best actor. Wow. Best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, best editing, best sound mixing, and best original score. Um, it didn't win in any category, but you know, (laughs) Once again, with the great films not winning, don't know. But, you know, we got all these nominations. Um, received two Golden Globe nominations as well for Best Picture. Or, sorry, excuse me, Best Performance by Actor in a Motion Picture. Um, because Morgan Freeman is just that great. And Best Screenplay, because they did what they had to do. Um, I personally have not read a lot of Stephen King's um, books. I feel like I watch the movie adaptations more than I've read the books. But I feel like every adaptation that has been from his books are like bangers. Like people just enjoy them so much. And they enjoy the mystery, the drama, um, the action and all that type of stuff. So um, I would definitely watch it um, because it's a classic. I don't know if it's playing anywhere um, on, I don't know, online. But I feel like it's on TV almost every other day. Really? Oh, it's, it's, on it's one of those like uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> like Forrest Gump. Yeah, like how it's like always on television. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, if you still have TV, go do that. I know. Like, no one does. No one does except. I, feel like a, I know. I feel like I'm the only one that still watches cable. Streaming is its own giant. You got Amazon Prime, you got Hulu, you got Netflix, you got Jesus, Apple TV, Disney Plus. Right. I guess. And now like, Disney Plus just came out. Yep, today. Right? I know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't have uh, Apple TV or Disney Plus, but I'm just saying, like, people can totally have those as well. So it's just a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You will go watch it. It's yeah. it's heartwarming watching these two dudes bond while they're in solitary confinement. All right, let's get into our next segment. It's 2019, y'all. That's Ashy. Oh my gosh, stay moisturized. Come on, man. Stay moisturized. Get some lotion. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
The ashy part about movies based on books to me is that they don't always cross over well on screen. I think that it can be adjusted through the, through the lens of encapsulating the story first instead of pushing so much for the box office commercialism of a film at the forefront mm-hmm. where I know the value of a dollar. I know that making a hit is most important because if you make a hit, you can make more movies. I get it. There's a process. But I think there's also a way to find a proper balance to have a hit that also pleases readers mm-hmm. where it's a good adaptation where it's like, it did the story justice, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like people who didn't read the book don't care, which sucks because it's like, it's a book mm-hmm. adaptation. So I feel like you just have to do the book justice. Um, and I understand like as a filmmaker, some things don't pan out the way that you plan them to. Like you never know if something's written in the book, you know, like whether that has to do with, costume wise whether that has to do with like you know the way that the readers think the blocking is in their mind like maybe things are better for camera you know like just you know set design like there's so much stuff where it's like this is you know creative authority but you know once again trying to figure out okay what's the compromise like how can we make it as true to the story as possible and you know the writer is alongside that process as well and so like you know, what did they bargain on? What were they okay with giving up? What were they okay with adding in? Because, you know, it's a different medium, even though it's an adaptation. It's, it's always a struggle. Um, but I think, you know, definitely trying to m- find that middle ground is necessary. Uh-huh. For sure, it is to get yeah. that story across. So people could really be into it, you know. And I think, too, Great. like um, with the graphic novel I was talking about earlier, too, there's so many um, books that can be tr- translated into films that are um, originally um, not one-dimensional, but has so many layers, and those layers are easily transferred over, which is so mm-hmm. fun to see, um, especially with the graphic novels or period pieces and things like that as well. So, yes, we will be talking about topics like this and more in the future going forward. Um, please feel free to like and rate this episode next week we will be discussing our favorite dramedies oh yeah baby those contradictory dramatic yet comedic films comedy dramas I mean you won't want to miss this it's going to be so fun you can follow us on twitter at shapebutterpop or on instagram at shapebutterpopcorn or you can follow us individually you can follow me at Chelsea Music and me at Tajiana underscore that's what I thought Yes, please send us topics and recommendations for what you want us to talk about. Either put it in the comments or DM us. Let us know so that we can get those up and running for you as we head into 2020. Talk Woo! about the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Really hot topics. If you've enjoyed season one, hot topics. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. See you next week.